0: Tonight is study number 10 of Genesis chapter 8. And we're going to begin reading in Genesis 8, verse 8. Also he sent forth a dove from him to see if the waters were abated from off the face of the ground. But the dove found no rest for the sole of her foot, and she returned unto him into the ark. For the waters were on the face of the whole earth. Then he put forth his hand and took her, and pulled her in unto him into the ark, And he stayed yet other seven days, and again he sent forth the dove out of the ark. And the dove came in to him in the evening, and lo, in her mouth was an olive leaf plucked off. So Noah knew that the waters were abated from off the earth. And he stayed yet other seven days, and sent forth the dove, which returned not again unto him any more. In our last study, we... We're looking up the word dove in the Bible, and it led us to the New Testament. In each one of the four Gospels, we read of the Holy Spirit descending like a dove upon the Lord Jesus Christ after he comes up out of the water from his baptism. Uh, When John the Baptist baptized Christ in the waters of the Jordan, Christ was baptized and went up straightway out of the water. And we, in our last study, saw how that historical ceremony was spiritually illustrating really the wonderful, the tremendous Bible truth that Christ died as the Lamb slain at the foundation of the world, and that was his baptism. As we saw in Romans chapter 6, we are baptized into his death. Let me read that again in Romans 6, in verse 3. Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death. Like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life." For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. That is, if you're baptized into Christ, baptized into his death, you can look forward with expectation to the like resurrection. And we also went to Philippians 3 and Saul that there's a fellowship of sufferings wherein the people of God are made conformable into the image of Christ's death in order to be placed in the proper position for the resurrection that follows. Just as Christ is baptized here and went up straightway out of the water where he came up, it says in in some of the verses we looked at, coming up out of the water, and the word coming up uh, is three oh five in the Greek of Strong's Concordance, and it's translated as ascend a couple of times in John six sixty two, where the Son of Man ascends up, or in John twenty verse seventeen, Jesus said, I ascend to my Father. I go up. It definitely is a word as it's used here in Mark chapter 1 verse 10 and straightway coming up out of the water. That, that's the word that's translated as sin that identifies with rising. And of course, that's what Christ did when he died and was resurrected at the point of the world's foundation. And then declared to be the son of God. And we, we saw that that's consistent in each one of the gospels. After we're following his baptism, which points to his death at the foundation of the world, his coming up, his rising from the dead, then a voice from heaven, the father says, thou art my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. God the father is declaring him to be the Son of God. And in actuality, it took place at the foundation of the world before this world was created. But here, it's all demonstration. It's what Christ came to demonstrate. And at the very beginning of his ministry, God um, has him baptized with water by John the Baptist. And, and he goes into the water, comes out of the water, and a declaration is made to paint the picture Of what happened again at the point of the foundation of the world. So why is this important for us concerning the flood account. And that Noah opened the window of the ark. And after sending forth the raven he sends forth a dove. And the dove flies about and returns to him. And he sends it forth again. What is the significance of the sending forth of the dove in relationship to this well we know the dove represents the holy spirit because in all four accounts the holy spirit like a dove descended upon christ it also comes into view the the dove after the death or the baptism and after the coming up or the resurrection Then the Holy Spirit, like a dove, descends upon Christ. At the point, he is declared to be the Son of God. Now, this is interesting to us because, let me put it this way, what did God use, what sign did God use to point to baptism? And the sign was water. Water, when when people would believe they would be baptized in water. For instance, uh, with the uh, Ethiopian eunuch and Philip in the book of Acts, we find that the Ethiopian eunuch says in verse 36, The eunuch said, See, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? And Philip said, If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he commanded the chariot to stand still. And they went down both into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they were come up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord caught away Philip, that the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. So there is an example of baptism that God instituted water baptism, and it points to the spiritual reality that that baptism points to is the washing away of sin. That's why Christ's actual baptism took place at the foundation of the world because it was then, that he bore the sins of his people, and it was then he made payment for sin. When the Lord Jesus entered into the world, he was already declared to be the Son of God, which means he had already died and resurrected, and through the resurrection, became the firstborn from the dead, God's beloved Son. And when Christ entered into the world as the Son of God, he was bearing no sin so jesus was not baptized in the spiritual or the actual meaning of the word that that is the washing away of sin but he was baptized symbolically or ceremonially by john the baptist and we could say later on when when jesus is in the garden and he speaks of the cup of God's wrath and and beseeches the Lord that it passed from him three times and all the way to the cross when he is suffering, that he is demonstrating or making manifest his baptism from the foundation of the world. That is, he's living out the tableau. He's doing, through those events, what he did at the very beginning of his ministry when he went down into the water and came up. And then the father declared, this is my son. The Lord Jesus in, in going into the garden is suffering. Uh, he, he's drinking of the cup of the wrath of God. It, he is, um, in a sense being baptized, but it's all a figure or it's all a tableau. It's all a demonstration because he's not bearing sins. He, he's already sinless. He has no sins of his own. He has no sins of his elect upon him, because they've already been paid for, and he entered into the world with the sins already paid for, with the works already finished at the foundation of the world. And that's why he's he's not being baptized in the actual sense of of what that means, because no Sins are being washed from him as he suffers in the garden until the cross. It's a tableau. So Christ is demonstrating the baptism at the foundation of the world. Now, likewise, when we read in Romans 6 that we are buried with him in baptism, as it says there again, so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized Into his death, we are buried with him by baptism into death. It is language indicating that the believers, the elect of God, have already been baptized in Christ's death, and yet it cannot be the death he died when he went to the cross in in time, in 33 AD. But the elect were baptized into his death, when he bore their sins at the foundation of the world. We experience baptism, which is in his death at that point. But remember when Jesus went into the garden, he made sure he went by himself. He had the disciples uh, wait off a distance and he went and fell down alone and he returned and they were sleeping. And he stressed, can you not, watch with me one hour, indicating they did not watch with him. They did not drink of the cup of that wrath of God that the Father was meeting out to the Lord Jesus. That's obvious. They were not partakers of of the cup of wrath, nor were they partakers in the baptism, the demonstration of the wrath, the suffering that Christ endured, all the way to the cross. Everyone scattered from him, and ran, and denied him, and Peter denied him three times. None of the believers, none of God's elect, were with him, and the events of the cross made sure that it was very obvious Jesus was alone. Now, at the foundation of the world, he also was alone, but He was bearing the sins of his people, and therefore, through our sinfulness that was upon him, God reckons or counts as though we were with him. And when God uh, punished the Lord Jesus Christ and slew him, and Christ died as the lamb that was laden with the sins of his people, it was as though we died with him. We were baptized into his death. And as Christ was bearing sins and he died, those sins were purged. They were washed away by the fires of the wrath of God. And so were our sins. We were cleansed. Again, that's what baptism points to, the washing away of sin. If uh, the elect would like to know when we were baptized, when were our sins washed away? And the Bible answers the foundation of the world. Therefore, we were baptized into his death. Our sins were purged from us. They were cleansed. We were washed through the wrath that Jesus experienced on our behalf. And that's where we were baptized. That That's where baptism is counted just like Christ's death. That's the actual death, the actual payment, the actual baptism he died with, and we were baptized with him at that point at the foundation of the world. Because for both of us, for the Lord Jesus, he was washed of the sins he bore, we were washed of the sins that would have been upon us. And we can both trace the washing away of sin to the point of the foundation of the world. In time, in 33 AD, Christ was not bearing sin, nor were the sins of the elect upon them, because all sin was paid for. Of course, it's more complicated than that. There's a matter of the application of Christ's finished works from the foundation of the world, the applying to each one in time. We're all born children of wrath, and at some point, as we, an elect, would be born into the world before he died, God would apply what Christ did, but as far as payment for sin, the one acceptable sacrifice, the one offering, was made at the foundation of the world, and therefore God obligated himself. He could not, allow one of those elect that were predestinated whose sins had been paid for in Christ to die in an unsaved state. They they had to hear the gospel. They had to become saved at some point in time before they died. And, well, anyway, we don't want to lose focus and go off in another direction, but the Actual baptism of the Lord Jesus and of the people of God occurred at the foundation of the world. Christ was demonstrating his baptism, his death, in time when he went to the cross beginning in the garden. And God's elect were not with him. The Bible makes a point of emphasizing no one went with him When he went off uh, yonder to pray, to beseech the Lord, the cup passed from him. No one was there at the cross. He was all alone. And I'm pointing this out because in Matthew 3, let's go back to Matthew chapter 3. And here we do read of Christ's baptism and coming up straightway out of the water. And the spirit descending like a dove followed by the Father's declaration, this is my beloved Son. But before this, before this, we read in Matthew 3, in verse 11, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost, and with fire. Now, notice it's future tense. And it's referring to Jesus. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Well, when would that be? As pointed out, it was not at the cross. It it was not in the Garden of Gethsemane. When would Jesus baptize, and and obviously he would baptize his people, his elect, when would he baptize them with the Holy Ghost and fire? And why fire? Then it says in verse 12, to really to answer why fire, it says, whose fan is in his hand, and he will throughly purge his floor, and gather his wheat into the garner, but he will burn up the chaff With unquenchable fire. Now, the language of verse 12 fits judgment day. If you look up the word chaff, it leads again and again where God will make reference to chaff in the day of judgment. The wicked are like the chaff and they'll be driven away or they'll be burned up. And, and so the language of verse 12 follows verse 11. And really is joined together indicating that the baptism that Christ will baptize his people with, with fire and the Holy Ghost will be performed in the day of judgment. That's the time, isn't it? When he gathers his wheat into the garner and the garner is a word for barn. Remember the wheat and the tares grow together and And you can't uh, gather up the tares and 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 rid them out of the field, but both have to grow together until harvest in time of harvest. Thank God says, gather the tares, bundle them for burning and and then he says and and bring the wheat into my barn or or that's implied the that's the time and and there was a separation process. Throughout the Great Tribulation, when the Lord opened up the information about the end of the church age and and uh, issued forth the command for his people to depart out of the corporate church, the churches and congregations of the world, and the separation process was underway, but would not be complete until the Great Tribulation concluded, then came Judgment Day, then came the final separation of the wheat and the tares, when the tares could be burned. And then came the time of baptism with the Holy Spirit and fire. Fire. Remember how 1 Corinthians 3 puts it. And and basically, instead of wheat and tares, we have wood, hay, stubble, and gold, silver, precious stones. But it's the same idea. In 1 Corinthians 3... Christ is the foundation, and then in verse 12, Now if any man build upon this foundation gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide which he has built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. Well, uh, of course, Judgment Day, we've known, you know, we've always known, is a time of fire. It's a time of fire. But, it's a time of baptism too, because what is baptism? If you break it down in its essence, it is the washing away of sin. God washes away the sins of the whole world with the fire of His wrath, and the baptism of the world, the cleansing of the world will be complete when it's destroyed, when all the wicked are burned up and gone forever. That's a baptism. It's a judgment. It, it is the death of the unsaved. But the elect are still on the earth in the day of judgment, the day of fire. Fire is put to both Gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble. Fire is applied to all and to one. They're burned up. That's their cleansing. It it will be their eternal death, their eternal destruction and annihilation. To the other, well, now there's something something um, different about uh, these because they are the elect. They are the people that were predestinated by God to obtain salvation. They're the ones that, before the foundation of the world, God elected them, He chose them, He took their sins and laid them upon Jesus, the Word, God Himself, and then God died for those sins, and they were baptized, in Christ at the point of the world's foundation, he was baptized, they were baptized, and and their sins were washed away. So when it comes to the final judgment of this world, again we're in time, we're May twenty one, twenty eleven, beginning of judgment day and all the days thereafter, a prolonged judgment process in which spiritual fire is is being applied it to see who burns. All the wicked inhabitants of the earth burn. But Isaiah 24, 6 says few men are left. The elect remain. They go through the fire. It does not burn them up because they're already clean. That is, they have no sin upon them. They've already been baptized. They've already had their sins washed away. In Christ, in his death, they were baptized, and therefore they are going through a second baptism. A second time of baptism. But there's no need. Why are they doing it? Because God says, We, and that's all the elect, must appear. That is, be made manifest before the judgment seat of Christ. To see whether we've done good or bad. And, and God finally will conclude they've done good because he sees no bad, no evil. And it's, it's being performed because Christ did the same thing. And he has given us an example to follow. We are following the example of his suffering, of his death and resurrection. And, and so before the resurrection, we're we're being made conformable, we're being made partaker of the fellowship of his suffering to experience a death in which the just, the righteous, the holy are, 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 are being put to the fire as Christ was just and righteous and holy in his person. And especially when he entered into the world, He didn't even bear the sins of his people. He was completely sinless, without sin of any kind. No sin to pay for. Yet he suffered. He suffered without cause. Pilate declared, I find no fault in him. He was sinless. And yet he suffered according to the will of the Father to demonstrate. He made manifest as the Lamb. He made manifest the things he had done from the foundation of the world. And we find, amazingly, this really is incredible. This is awesome. I don't use that word too often, but if anything is awesome, if any idea is awesome, this is that God's people are following in Christ's steps, following his example to the point, where they likewise are sinless, as God reckons, because they have the righteousness of Christ, and yet they are making an appearance. They are being made manifest as Jesus was before the judgment of God and going through the same steps, step by step, step by step, suffering, the equivalent of dying, and then comes the resurrection. Thanks for joining us for eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies. You can hear these studies Monday through Friday over Pal Talk, Skype, Bible Fellowship's webcast audio or over your phone. For more information or to hear other studies, visit www.ebiblefellowship.com. Until our next study, may the Lord's perfect will be done.